0: Welcome to the Houghton Baptist Podcast. Today we will have special guest, Pastor Tim Patterson, the Executive Director of the Baptist State Convention of Michigan. He will be studying the book of Philippians today, that book where Paul is kind of hanging out in jail and just writing. Quite an amazing book. Afterwards, check out our website. We have a lot of information there about the church and things going on in the church. Check it out. Also, if you're kind of looking for a church, or you're not sure what church is about, or how to go about it, come check out Houghton Baptist. Love to have you there Sunday, 10 a.m., come as you are, we do. Enjoy the podcast, and have a great day.
1: Well, it's good to be in the UP. That is where I am, is that... I just wanted to check. I knew it was because there was a water hose going across the top of the building. (laughs) Only in the UP, but anyway. Hey, folks, thank you. Thank you for letting me be with you today. It is a privilege to serve you as your executive director for the Baptist State Convention of Michigan. I've been in this position for a little over two years now. It's a joy and a privilege. And thank you for what you do in making a difference not only in Michigan but around the world. Because every time you give a portion of what you give goes to make a difference through our cooperative program, through uh, foreign missions, state, uh, United States, just all over, through seminary training and development and students, through materials that we produce all over the world. You are making a difference. You see, many times we think because we're we're an individual church or a smaller church or an isolated church that we're really not impacting the world, but we are together because together we can do more. Together, we can do much more. And because of you, we're planting, I think, 46 churches right now in Michigan, new churches. You're doing that. You are doing that. And so you need to thank God that he is letting you be part of what God is up to here in Michigan. And we do. We truly thank God for you and your part in your participation and how you're making a difference, not only right here in Houghton, but around the world. That's a cool thing, isn't it? That we can do that together. We can do those kind of things together. Thank you for for being part of that. And again, thank you for letting me be with you today. Take your Bibles and turn to Philippians. Philippians. A little book over there, a little uh, epistle. Let me give you a little background on this. This book, Paul is writing this book under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit while he is in prison. He's in jail. Anybody here been in jail before? Go ahead and confess. Okay. Yeah, I have two. I've been there. I was facing two to life in prison when Jesus got a hold of me. So I I know what it's like. And and, and so here he is in prison. You know what I've noticed about jails and prisons? (laughs) They're not fun. There's nothing good about those places. It just—they're not fun. They're constraining. They're restricting. Here he was. Paul was in the Marmitean prison. He was—he was literally between two Praetorian guard all the time. Now, Praetorian guard are the guards of the Roman emperor and the Roman, uh, uh, sort of speak, we would call it the White House today. Uh, their their location. He was—he was in between those guys, usually in chains between them because. They considered him so subversive. This message that he was preaching and, and teaching was so subversive, they had to put guards around him. The cool thing about it, he was winning all the guards to Jesus. I, cool. He said that not only the praetorian guard is learned, but the whole guard and the whole household. Every, every time they would change guards about four hours, guess what? Paul said, all right, fresh meat. You know, I can tell somebody else about Jesus. And so he was excited about what God was doing. And, but think about it, folks. He's in prison, though. And he's saying, and the whole theme of the book, the theme is joy. When I was in prison, I didn't have a lot of joy. You see, joy is something that goes beyond your circumstance. It has nothing to do with your happenstance. That's where we get the word "happy." Because our happenstance is lined up where we want it and we like it. But your happenstance has nothing to do with your joy joy is something that comes from in something that's eternal something that that has nothing to do with certain circumstance or situation or or how good things are or how bad things are has everything to do with how good he is in you that's what matters so here's paul he's excited about it, and he's talking about it. and look i want you to look at, at chapter one in verse nine we're going to move it on a little farther there but in verse nine through verse 11 i want you to see what his prayer is he's praying for his people he's praying for those uh, whom god has given him oversight those children he's led to the lord those he's brought up, the different churches he's responsible for. Here's what he's praying. He's in jail, he's in prison, and this is what he's praying. And I this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. He was praying for them. <laughs> this drunk came up to the pastor and told the pastor, Oh, pastor, would you will you pray for me? I just got so many problems. Lord, would you pray? Will you pa- pastor, pray for me. So the pastor said, Sure, I'll pray for you. He said, Now, Lord, I want you to speak and bless this drunk. <laughs> and the drunk looks up. Don't tell him I'm drunk. Don't tell him I'm <laughs> We want people to pray for us, but do we really want them to pray for what we really need? (laughs) Wouldn't it be amazing, or well, maybe a little uncomfortable, if the pastor really began to publicly pray for what your real need is? Ah, no. (laughs) I don't like that. Well, I'm a gossip. Lord, help Betty. She's a horrible gossip. Help John. He's on the internet watching pornography every night. Lord, help. Boy, I'd get embarrassing, wouldn't it? Here Paul is praying for the greatest needs. And he says, This is what I'm praying. I want you, he says, Here's my prayer that, you, that your love, get this, your love, may abound still more. And then he uses another phrase, more in knowledge and in all discernment. What's he saying? He said that they should have an abundant godly love. That word there when he says says that your love may abound, that term there literally means to be an excessive overflowing amount. It's just more than enough. Now, if you've been watching the news or hearing the news or reading on the Internet, you know that there was a hurricane went into Texas. I lived in Corpus Christi area for many years and pastored down there. I know all of those areas and the places and it's flat. I'm just telling you where it goes in there at Corpus and all the seawalls, the major hospital right on the seawalls there. uh, It's just those people are going to be have a lot of problems with flooding and water. Uh, The main problem they're going to have is not no power. If you've, if you've ever been in Florida or South Texas in the summer with no power, it is miserable because there's no air conditioning. <laughs> and, and they're without so many things. But th- they, were, they were in this, they're the, going to be in this horrible mess. Sabrina and I, one time after a tropical storm, went through a little town right on the coast uh, there in Florida where we live. And the, it was right along the St. John's River. It's one of the only rivers in the United North America that flows north. But it flows north into the, uh, the, the, the Atlantic there. And, and uh, there's a little town right there next to it called Green Cove Springs. A tropical storm had come through. It didn't do much damage, but the storm surge was really, really great. And as we drove through the town, all the docks were underwater, everybody's yards were flooded, the streets were flooded. It was just like the ocean came up the river and then flooded everywhere. That's the exact term that is being used there for the word abound. It means it came in and comes in so much, it overflows and saturates everything. Now, with that in mind, he says, I'm praying that your love may overflow to saturation level of everything around you. That's what he wants for us. Friends, talk about make a difference in your life and the people's lives around you and the life of this church. When you have real, agopic, godly love that overflows like that, it will change everything about you and your surroundings. He says, I want you to have this super uh, abundant, this abundant godly love because what it will do, it will be evident in your attitude when that happens. Your attitude. He says, I want you to have a godly, godly attitude. Oh, by the way, (laughs) did you know no one can give you a bad attitude? Now, listen, I don't know your wife, and I know it's tough, but she can't give you a bad attitude. Ladies, your husband cannot give you a bad attitude. Your professors cannot give you a bad attitude. They can give you bad grades. They can't give you a bad attitude. You choose, listen, you choose the attitude you possess. It's a choice. If you have a bad attitude, that's your choice. When people with bad attitudes, I just don't put up with, because they tr- they're choosing to be nasty. They're choosing to be that way. You have the ability to choose. I understand situations, circumstances, bad days, even bad weeks, bad months. I understand that. But you still choose the attitude you possess. And he says, I want you to have a godly attitude. I read in the book by Charles Swindoll, it's called Laughing, it's a great book. It's talking about an author who he was quoting from his book that had gotten a message from this pastor, this older pastor. This older pastor was suffering from a very debilitating skin cancer. Very debilitating. Let me read a little bit what it says. He says, besides suffering from pain, he was so embarrassed about the cancer it had scarred his appearance that he wouldn't go out. Then one day he was given, you've got to keep dancing, in which I tell of my long struggle with chronic, intense pain from a near-fatal climbing accident. In that book, I told of the day when I realized that the pain would be with me forever. At that moment, I made a pivotal decision. I knew that it was up to me to choose how I responded to it. So I chose joy. A- after reading a while, the elderly pastor said that he, he put the book down and said, He's crazy. I can't choose joy. So he gave up the idea. Th- then later he read in John 15, 11, that joy is a gift from Jesus. He said, I want to give you my joy that your joy may be complete. A gift, he thought. He wouldn't know what to do. He, he, he said, so he got down on his knees. He said, and then he didn't know what to say. He said, Okay, Lord, if you want to give me a gift of joy, just give it to me. Suddenly, as he described it, this incredible hunk of joy came from heaven and landed on him. He says, I was overwhelmed. It was like the joy talked about in Peter, a joy unspeakable and full of glory. I didn't know what to say, so I just said, okay, Lord, just turn it on. Turn it on more. Before he knew it, he was dancing around the house. He felt so joyful that he actually felt born again, again. (laughs) And this astonishing change happened at the age of 82. He just had to get out. So, so much joy couldn't stay cooped up. So he went out to the local fast food restaurant and got a hamburger. A lady saw how happy he was and asked, how are you doing? And he said, "Oh, I, I'm wonderful. Well, is it your birthday? He said, no, honey, it's better than that. Well, is it your anniversary? Better than that. Well, what is it? She said, it's the joy of Jesus. Do you know what I'm talking about? The lady shrugged and answered, no, I have to work on Sundays. Joy changes your attitude, godly attitude. This kind of love, he prayed for that kind of love for them to have. It'll change your attitude. It, it, it will give you godly, not only godly attitude, but godly words. You'll be speaking words of encouragement. You'll be speaking words of truthfulness. You'll be spe- you will be no longer speaking words of harsh criticism. There'll be godly actions in your life. That's what happens when that kind of love saturates you and overabounds in your life. You begin to have godly actions. I'll never forget in West Texas. I grew up, I was born and reared in West Texas. Dry, flat, arid West Texas. I often say that's where God sat down and made the rest of the world. Because it was flat and dry and nothing else there. But I, I was remembering being in a church in West Texas. This will date me. It was during the Jesus movement and the hippie movement. that I used to have very long hair. It was so curly and everything, it was like an afro, it was like this. And I, I used to tie it in a big ball. I had a man bun before it was even popular, guys. I mean, So I had it, buddy. But mine was a man basketball. It was just, you know. Uh, I just remember this hippie coming into church, and he didn't have his shoes on. And this was at First Baptist Church. First Baptist Church. You have to say that with a certain inflection. First Baptist Church. Well, when he began to walk in, there were no seats. It was packed out. And he began to walk down the aisles. And the farther he came, more gasp would come. <gasps> And I'm telling the the little old ladies with blue hair, they just almost fainted back there watching him come. What's he doing? Where's he going? What's he going to do? And he had beads, long hair, no shoes, holy jeans. And he just walks and walks and couldn't find any place. So he just sat down on the floor in front of the pulpit. (sighs) The murmuring. It was just like a hive of bees had been set loose. It was just going crazy. Finally, a senior deacon about halfway down there, an older deacon, he was probably in his late 80s, gets up and starts toward the front. And you could hear them saying, well, finally, finally, someone's going to do something about this. He got down to the front. He looked over at the young man. He said, can I sit by you? And then he got down on the floor where he was and they worshiped together. You see, when that kind of love permeates your soul, it'll change your actions as well. Folks, never forget. I I know this church has been growing and changing and a lot of things have happened here. Never forget. It's about those who are not here. It's about the lost. It's not about you. It's just the way it is. Now, look, I, 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 I'm going to break away from my message. Can I do a minute and just share something with you? I, I've pastored for 40-plus years. I know I don't look that old. Thank you. I've had the privilege of pastoring some great churches. My last church in Jacksonville was several thousand. We had large, large facilities, but I... I moved a church from a downtown historic location to a more outer rim, suburban area where it was a lot of young people and people who had no connection with God or church at all. Zero zip, nada. We had people coming to our church, young people coming to our church. They looked like they fell in a tackle box. They had so many, you know, earrings and stuff, you know. They just had stuff hanging on. Tattoos, hair, colors, just wild. I mean, but, and people of every color and race. It was just, a, it was fun. But my little ladies who had been in a, this traditional church, stalwart church for years, were having difficulty. The music was loud. It wasn't their kind of music. The people didn't look like them. But I would go to their classes and I would sit down and talk and say, ladies, I love you. You're the reason we're here is we're standing on your shoulders. The reason this is happening is because of everything you've done in the past. But God's moved us to a mission field. And we have to reach our mission field. And they don't speak the same language we do. They don't know what we know. And it's not about us. It's about them. And, I ne- and I remember, I'll I never forget about it, a year and a half in or so, my little old ladies would come to me and say, Pastor, I didn't like that song, but it's not about me, is it? I said, no, honey, it's not. And they said, but I like what I see. All of these young people coming to Christ, all these people being saved, all the changes taking place. That I lie. And so, folks, I'm just sharing that with you because I know it doesn't matter what churches. say. I don't know what you're really with. All I know is you you're transitioning and changing. And I do know this out of experience When that happens. There's always going to be conflict. There's always going to be issues like that. Can I tell you, never forget who this is all about. Amen. It's about him and about them. So let's reach them. Let's make a difference. Okay, that was a free message. This one, let me give this one up. Let me go back to this one, all right? We can't. And, and we look, he said, not only that, he says, I want you to abound still more. He's talking about love. But also, he says, I want you to abound more in knowledge, an advanced, perfect knowledge. He says, I want you to have a discernment, a full understanding, an acquaintance with. He says, it ought to be an empowered knowledge. First Corinthians eight one that says, Now concerning these things offered to idols, we know that we have knowledge, but knowledge puffs up. But what love edifies. It's empowered with love. Without love, it becomes an arrogant, puffed up intelligence. There's so many in of our elitist academia today that have a great knowledge. And I believe you should get all the education you can, study as much as you can, get as many degrees as a, as a thermometer. But never forget, knowledge is not your answer. It will just puff up. But when it's empowered with love, you can make a great difference. An empowered knowledge, but an impro- they had an improper knowledge. They had a zeal sometimes and a passion. They didn't have knowledge. They didn't have biblical knowledge. He said, I want you to have biblical knowledge that's built, that your whole passion is built on. Biblical knowledge. An important knowledge. What kind? They want them to have a knowledge that increases things in their lives. It'll increase your gratitude. It will increase your gratitude. You'll be more grateful to God and you'll be more grateful to others around you. Gratefulness to God for him providing everything. By the way, that breath you just took, he gave it to you. Be grateful. And when someone does something good for you, say thank you and show gratitude. Why? Because they deserve it? No, because you need to do it. I tell young people, I tell my staff all the time, look, when somebody does something to you, you write a note, you send an email, you send a text, you send an Instagram, you go on Messenger. I don't care how you do, you communicate, you do it, communicate that you are thankful and grateful. Everyone needs to be thankful and grateful. It will increase your your gratefulness, it it will increase your quality, not only to God, but to others as well, and increase your supply from God and from others. But he says, I want you to have discernment as well. Did you see the last part of that? He said, I want you to have a godly spiritual discernment. You can have knowledge. You can have love. But you need to have understand, discernment. Born by experience. Love and good motives without discernment <laughs> creates problems, folks. You can love people. And you can have good motives. Let me tell you how that happened to me when I was young young in ministry and young pastor. People would come by the church and they'd need help. They want food or gas or something. I I would just, I thought, just give them what they need. Just give it to them. Give the farm away. Almost did. There are people who will take advantage of good hearts and good intentions and good motives. That's why you need discernment. To know the difference, there are times God will tell you you'll just you'll be discerning and say, "Help that person." Another time it'll say, "They're just taking advantage." Don't. Here's another one where it always helps me. My wife, my wife has the spirit of discernment. She can see things when I cannot. I mean, I'll step in stupid, and she, she don't do that. She said, "I could have told you. You just listen to me." But I'll do it. I'll step off and stupid do something. I'll just do it. Especially when it comes to women. Because I have been in larger settings and there've been. we have a lot of exposure from media and all kinds of things. There will be all kinds of people who are attracted to us. I used to say the brighter the light, the more bugs are attracted, you know. Uh, but there would be women who would come to the church. And I just said, well, man, it's so good to have you, you know, and just engage them. And say, how can we help you? And my wife said, leave her alone. <laughs> Stay away from her. She has something else on her mind. I said, no, she doesn't look. She doesn't. She'd look at me and go, <laughs> yes, ma'am. She would discern things that I would not discern. She will see things that I would not see. She under, she has that gift, and I believe that's exactly what God says He wants you to have. He wants you to have an accurate spiritual discernment. Balance it in love. Here's the purpose, though. Look at verse ten. What's the purpose of this this prayer? These he says that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense. Till the day of Christ. To prove it, to test it, similar to the discernment, but, but to prove it. By, why? By choosing the best. You know, today, people are having a difficult time choosing between good and bad. That's why you have guys like Dr. Phil or Laura Schlesinger, different ones on the TV and radio and so forth. And people will call in and say, what do I do? What do I do? Choosing between good and bad. It's because there's, we have no moral or ethical compass any longer. We've lost our standard for what is right and wrong. And people are going to that. But here's our deal, folks. Ours usually is not so much a difficulty of choosing between good and bad, because we know that. We have the moral compass. We have the direction from God's Word. He shows us what it is. Our problem is choosing between good and best. That's the difficult part. And that's when you need to have an understanding of what is and how to approve the things that are excellent, not just good. Because there will be times you will be you'll be given choices to do good things, but is that the best thing that God has for you? The tyranny of the urgent. Many of us lead lives that are, go from one crisis to one crisis, and it's just that kind of life. God wants us to live a spirit-guided, spirit-filled, spirit-directed life. And then He wants us to continue blameless. Look at that word. These interesting words here. He said that you may be sincere without offense till the day. Of Christ, that word "sincere" uh, is is a unique word. It it, it literally it literally had its root meanings meant to be tested by the sun, tested by sunlight. You see, how in the world is sincere anything like that? Well, he wants us to be sincere inwardly, particularly in ancient times, because that's kind of where this word comes from. In ancient times, potters, as they made their wares. Many times, when they would heat them to dry them in their their kills, they would, they may have too much moisture in them and they would crack and get a hole in them or a crack in them. The unscrupulous potter would take wax and fill in those holes and then paint his ware and sell it as whole and good. But the wise and discerning buyer would take that pot or piece or utensil and he would put it up to the sunlight and it would show the defects and where the wax was placed. Thus the root of the word and the understanding, he said, you are to be sincere. Literally without wax. No fakes. No duplicity. No hypocrisy, the real deal, because when the light of the sun s o n shines in your life, he shows all that Isn't that a cool word I, I like that. He said to be one inwardly, but also he says, "I want you to be without offense outwardly It, it literally means it's no act of sin sin that." that doesn't cause others to sin or causes them to use you as an excuse to sin. You don't cause others to sin or or you don't lead others into sin, but they don't use you as an excuse to sin. I've asked our our well-equipped media guy here in the back. He's from the UP because he's wearing a hat back there because it's so sunny in the booth. Now, he may not run the video for me now, but I, I want you to watch this video and see if it, you don't identify with this just a bit. Why don't you run that for me, if you would, please? And crank the volume up just a little bit.
0: You can't even take it for honking a horn at a
1: green light.
0: She should have gone.
1: ouch there's always someone watching we don't want to be an offense outwardly we don't want to be an excuse for someone else you see when we have an abundant godly love that saturates our life and we have the spiritual discernment that god has given we're going to live a different life our life on the inside is going to change radically, and that is going to result with an outward change as well. To live outwardly without a f- fence and, and, and persistently, continually. When and what did he say? Until the day of Christ. Look at our power. Look at verse eleven. Being filled. This is the key. This is the power. This is it is is how it happens. Being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. As you've already discerned, I don't look as old as I am. But I have five granddaughters. Girls. Drama. Drama. And more Drama. Well, they, two of them came to stay most of the summer with us. And then we had all five of them for some time. I'm just telling you, I had two boys. That's all, we were, we, we were, we were two boys. You can't treat girls like you do boys. I'd take the boys, yank them by the ear, straighten up, or I'll drop kick you to Jesus right now. You do that to girls? They will they will go they will go absolutely nuclear on you oh my. well uh, also with this summer when we had all the girls there, Sabrina and I usually don 't have this kind of food in the house, but we had a multitude of pop tarts. Do you all know what pop tarts are? They like pop tarts, and so Grammy gets them pop tarts now i 'm not a big pop tart kind of guy i mean i 'm just not, but here 's what I thought was cool about pop tarts. You know what 's cool about pop tarts? They look like a dry cracker, but you break them open they 're full of fruit. I think that 's so cool i 've often wondered how they do that, but you know it 's kind of like those chocolate covered cherries you know that have the gooey, the real liquidy stuff inside. How do they do that that's just that 's magic. Anyway, i but here the pop tarts are full of fruit. That's that ought to be us, folks. When we get broken open, fruit ought to come out. We, that's that's what he's saying. He says, "Look, it, you ought to have by the you ought to be filled with the fruits of righteousness by the power of righteousness." In Galatians. 22 and 23 it says but the fruit of the spirit is love joy peace long-suffering kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness self-control against such there is no law proverbs eleven thirty 30 says the fruit of righteousness is a tree of life and he who wins souls is wild do you see how we respond to the lost around us is a is direct result of the fruit within us the power of righteousness, and it comes from an impartation from Christ. In John 15, 5, it says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much. Because apart from me, you can do nothing. And it's for the praise of God, the last part of that verse. Why? For the, to the glory of God. And praise of God. 1 Corinthians 10 31 says, Therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Yes. Ephesians 1 5 and 6. Having predestined us to the adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to his good pleasure of his will. What? To the praise and glory of his grace. That's why. That's what it's all about, folks. That's what our purpose is. When I look back at this verse, and I think about Paul and what he's going through, his prayer, so should our prayer be, that we have an abundant godly love that so transforms our lives that how we live inwardly and outwardly is affected and the fruit of the spirit is evident. That's a good way to live, folks. I pray you find encouragement from God's word. I pray you find motivation, maybe conviction, whatever it is. You'd respond to God's word today. You won't just take this as a message, but you would hear it as a word from God today. Let's pray for a moment, can we? Father, we want to thank you for your word today. Thank you for these sweet folks and their attentiveness. I pray, God, that you continue to use this church to punch holes in the darkness of this area. God, use them to actively be about your business. God, I pray you bless Dave. And, Lord, help him as he leads and he pastors. I pray you help him physically, Lord, because there's, he's suffering some things that are just difficult in his life. But God, give him the ability to have joy in the midst of that. Pray you bless him. Lord, I pray that you will provide all of the needs of this church family according to your riches and glory. Lord, that you would use them in a great way. And we will give you the praise for it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's go ahead.
0: Hey, thanks for listening to the Houghton Baptist Podcast. We appreciate your support. And speaking of support, there's a lot of different ways you can support Houghton Baptist in addition to the traditional way of giving your tithe or check at church. We have online giving on our website at houghtonbaptist.org, and we also have text giving. If you're interested in text giving, just dial 906-346-1317 and follow the information from there. Easy peasy. If you're looking for a church or you're just not sure what church is all about, why don't you stop by Houghton Baptist Sunday morning, 10 a.m. Be there. Come as you are. We do. Have a great day.